Welcome to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. I'm Matt Levine, joined by Lila Bromberg and Cody Wilcox, and we are previewing and recapping week two in the NCAA football season and previewing week three and getting to a lot of the non-revenue sports with volleyball, field hockey, men's soccer, women's soccer, but mainly football today with a dominating win over then number 21 Syracuse, Maryland football wins 63 to 20 and Lila what did you see in that domination performance from Maryland I mean I don't think anyone uh, expected it people were kind of roasting Cody and I because our predictions were very off uh, rightfully so I think that um, I think I predicted like 2017 uh, I was going back and forth whether Syracuse or Maryland would take it it was expected to be a very defensive game you know Syracuse was regarded as having a really really good defense and uh you know, 63 points, Maryland kind of blew them out. So it was definitely not what I was expecting at all. And I think it really showed, uh, you know, how good that this team can be. We'll see how Syracuse plays out the rest of the season. But I still think that they're, you know, a decent team. And it was a great win. Yeah, and I, one thing we got right, Lila, is we got the number of points that Syracuse would score correct. We did. They did score 20 points. However, we obviously got the Maryland ones. We were way off in that department. Well, this is the Maryland Terrapins' first time being ranked now. They moved into number 21 in the country. Just yesterday they were ranked. So first time ranked since 2013, and it's their first time ranked this high since November of 2006. So does that shape or show anything to you guys of what this team can do this year? I think it does. It's, you know, it's hard to tell with just two games of the season, um, and I think we'll definitely see. But the fact that they were able to score at least 63 points in two straight games, it was the first time they had even scored more than 55 points in two straight games in program history. I think that says a lot. If you look at that, you know, 2006 team, they went 9-4, and four, getting a win in a bowl game over Purdue. Um, and if you think about it, that's a really long time ago. We did a piece coming out today um, just about what the world looked like in 2006. Um I was eight years old. Matt, you're younger than us. How old were you in 2006? I was six years old. All right. So Matt was six. Cody, what? You were nine? I was nine. I was old then. <laughs> you were yeah. old at nine? Yeah. <laughs> so like that was a while ago. The iPhone had not been released yet. Okay. You didn't have Uber or Lyft. You could still play as the Terps in the NCAA football game because that was still a thing. Um, George Bush was president. Like, that was a very long time ago, you know, 13 years. And I think it says a lot about this team. And, you know, they have a tough schedule this year. It wasn't back then in the ACC where the competition, you know, wasn't as tough. But um, I I think we're going to have to see what goes on. But I think there could be something special brewing this year. Um, And before we get into those predictions, one thing I wanted to point out from that past game most college experts, while Maryland was favored a little bit uh, with betting sites, most college experts and, you know, everyone on game day at least had Syracuse winning except for one person. And this video went a little viral for us on Twitter. And we're going to uh, play that a little bit because everyone seems to be loving uh, this clip right here of just who college football had winning this game. Have a, a bounce back game. He struggled a week ago against Liberty. I like Syracuse in the close one against Maryland because we really don't know how good Maryland is. They just blew Howard out of the waters last week. Okay, now I've got inside info. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. They locked. <laughs> fighting Scott Van Pelt. Oh, yeah. The Terrapins oh, wow. from Maryland. Okay. I'm taking them. The Terps from Scotty Van Pelt. <laughs> Not so fast. So Matthew McConaughey had the Terps winning. No one else did. 
He said that he had an inside source, and we've been debating who that source might be. Who are you thinking it was, Cody? I don't know. I I really don't know. I think it has to be Scott Van Pelt. You think so? I think it's Scott Van Pelt myself. But, I mean, he's always been high on the Terps, no matter if they're winning or losing. And I think he, he gave, you know, Matthew a little nudge there. See, now, when we posted that, Citizen Cope, who, for if anyone doesn't know, he is a, uh, you know, musician, is, you know, pretty popular and a good friend of Loxley. He commented on our post that he was the inside info. Apparently, they get stakes together. So maybe it could be him. And then some people were saying that it was because of Texas games in past years. He's a huge Texas fan. And so, you know, they showed pictures after the Texas game, losing the LSU. But he was pretty sad, but it's okay because he predicted the Terps winning. And when Matthew McConaughey made that prediction, you could hear in the background Texas fans giving out groans like, oh, not them again. But I don't know if you all saw, but on college game day, a fan was holding up a sign that said, we want Maryland. So obviously, they Texas knows Maryland for the past two years, but I think others are starting, Maryland's starting to come on their radar a little bit as well. Matt, if we did, let's say in a magical world, we played Texas this year. Would they blow them even more out of the water than the past two seasons? What would that game look like? I hate to say it, but I think Texas would win that one because oh, it's, really? it's hard It's hard to beat a team three times in a row. It's In every sport, it's hard to do that. So, And obviously, there's a lot of hype, a lot of hype around Maryland right now, but I would have to take Texas in that one, a close game. What are you making of all of this hype? I think it's a little early to tell, obviously, just two weeks in. It's a small sample size, but... Obviously, those first two games, they dominated completely, and they beat Syracuse, who most people thought they would lose to. So, And I think Loxley's really shown what he can do as a coach, and he's going out there and putting different offensive plays together, different offensive units together, and really everything is working from everything on offense and everything on defense. And obviously, they have a tough test against Temple this week because that can be a trap game with Penn State, or a bye week, and then Penn State the week after. So... I think really after this week we'll be able to tell what kind of season they'll have. Yeah, and in my mind, you know, they put up 79 points against Howard. They were like, oh, okay, you know, it was Howard, you know. Let's see what they do against a ranked opponent at home with Syracuse. Next, put up 63 points uh, or get the 63-20 to 20 win against a ranked opponent at home. And I think Most the, points ever against a ranked opponent. Yeah, exactly. And I think the next thing is like, okay, can this keep up? Can they go on the road and win? So it's a new challenge each week, and so far, I mean, they've accomplished two of them. Right, and let's talk a little bit about where the Terps stack up. Uh, they're putting up these dominant wins, and it's showing across stats, uh, you know, in FBS football. Right now, they're first in the nation in points per game at 71. They're second in the country in sack total with 12. Fourth in the country in yards per game at 636.5 yards per game. Six in the nation in rushing yards allowed per game at 35.5 yards. Yes, that's it. And eighth in the country in third down conversion percentage at 60.7%. So that right there is five statistical categories that Maryland is in the top 10 with. Do you think that, do you guys think that means anything right now? Or is it just kind of like a cool stat to have? I think it means a lot considering they did play a ranked team. Had they played Howard and another very low-tier Division One school, then I would say no, it doesn't mean anything. But one opponent with Syracuse, I mean, they put up 63 points, and their defense was astonishing in that game. So I think these numbers show a little bit of why Maryland has the hype right now. And I, I partially agree with Matt on that one. I, I think 
You know, it, it shows what the office can become, but I still think it's a little early to really determine all of that. Especially with the tough schedule ahead. Exactly. I mean, they, like we said, they're going on the road against Temple, and then we have the Big Ten slate. So I'm kind of curious, not to jump ahead, but I'm kind of curious to see if that holds up in Big Ten play. Yeah, and they also had a lot of players that are up there as well, which I thought was interesting because they've really distributed the ball a lot. They you know, have been able to rely a lot on their backups and even third teams in these past two games. But still, they have a lot of guys that are, you know, leading the NCAA. So you have uh, Anthony McFarland Jr. is tied for the third most touchdowns with five. Keandre Jones is tied for the fourth most sacks with 3.5. Quarterback Josh Jackson is tied for the seventh most passing touchdowns with seven. And wide receiver Daryl Jones is 13th in yards per reception at 25. And this is just, I think, a fraction of the Terps' talent. What do you think that says about this team? I think what you just said about it being a fraction is is spot on because obviously these are the big name players and the big numbers that they're putting up, but you got to look at how they're distributing the football. And The first thing I looked at against Syracuse was the third down conversions that they had, and they went to Tyler Mabry for most of those, and it was really just a few yards, and he'd receive the ball. So... It's plays like that that really help your team win, getting the first down and moving the ball down the field. Obviously, when they put it in the end zone, that's what's going to get noticed. But they also have to look at this being just a fraction of their success. And the one thing I noticed from the Syracuse game is Josh Jackson looks 10 times more comfortable in my mind than a Syracuse game compared to the Howard. When he started off against Howard, there were a couple throws that were behind his wide receivers. He wasn't on time with them. And the Syracuse game, he just looked in control of the offense and especially with the young linebacker quote that we talked about with Syracuse when you have a running back group with Anthony McFarland uh Javon Lee Jake Funk everybody they he was able to run the RPO with them and you can watch it you know on the film where the linebackers literally run up to the line of scrimmage and you have wide receivers like Brian Cobbs um Daryl Daryl Jones, you know, running slants, and he would go there, and then he would throw it out to uh, Tyler Mabry, as you said, Matt, and the offensive weapons and him taking control in that Syracuse game was really something that I took away from that. And the way that Scotty Montgomery and you know Scotty Montgomery's making the calls, you also you also obviously you know have some inf- influence from Locks, but the way that they've been lining it up, you saw a lot against Syracuse where Loxley has said he wants to put his best you know skill players in the game, so he would have like three running backs lined up, and I think that was really throwing off defenses because any one of those guys can rush, any one of those guys can receive, um, and so defense defenses wouldn't know who the ball was going to, and I think that really threw people off. What do you guys think about kind of the creativity with? play calling that they're having right now? Because I think that's something that we haven't really seen in past years with Maryland uh, offenses. I think it starts with having a quarterback that can actually throw the ball down the field because uh, not to be harsh on anyone, but Kasim Hill in the playbook really couldn't pass the ball down the field and have a big play. And he would have a lot of end arounds, a lot of just five yard passes and a lot of rushing in the offense. And now They have running backs who can catch the ball. They have receivers who can catch the ball. And they have a quarterback who can throw the football. And I think that really is where it starts, is having confidence in your quarterback to throw the football down the field. And that opens up a lot of offense because now defenses don't know. Will they pass the ball 20 yards down the field? Will they pass a little slant route, as Cody was saying? 
or will they run the ball or even just a dump off to the running back? They can do all of those things, and that really throws off every defense that they're going to face. And I'm with you on that one. You know, they're Josh Jackson's good at distributing the ball. They have so many different weapons that you really have to pick one and go with that. But the one thing I would say is every player that we have talked to this season, there's an unselfishness to them. Anthony McFarland said the other day, we all want to eat. So they all want to get the ball spread around. They all want to do what they can for their team in order for them to come away successful. And let's talk about those running backs. Four running backs combined for six touchdowns in that most recent game. Anthony McFarlane with three, including one receiving touchdown. Let's talk a little bit about what the running backs did in that game because it was pretty impressive. Well, Anthony McFarlane saw the most touches at the running back spot. He didn't see the most yards, though. He had 14 attempts for 75 yards and two scores and then received the ball twice for 45 yards and a touchdown. So he did get that production scoring-wise. And he had m- many more yards than he did against Howard this time. But Javon Leak, he really he produced a lot in this game. Seven attempts, 107 yards, and two touchdowns. He had a 64-yard rush at one point in this game. So he's averaging double digits every time he touches the ball in yards. He, he gets first downs a lot. And he's averaging 15.3 yards per carry this year. So... I think he's one of the guys Maryland really has to look at if McFarland's struggling or even just to throw off other defenses, they can go to Javon Leak. And I think I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Maryland can get up, they can go up early, you know, build these leads, and they can give the ball to four different running backs that they trust to protect it, not turn it over, and you'll see success for them. There were multiple times, there was two drives, Lila, that we've witnessed where they went to, I believe it was Jake, Jake Funk, and it might have been Teon Fleet Davis, mm-hmm. where yeah, towards they, the end of the game, they just went play after play after play, right, right down the middle with them. And, and they were uh, able to do a defense. They were able to stop a defense and do them each time. Jake Funk had a 92-yard drive for a touchdown on basically like the final uh, drive of the game, where he was basically behind every single play on that drive, like. Mm-hmm. You know, while Anthony McFarland certainly, you know, is a unique talent, they are able to switch it up and make it so he doesn't have to um, put as much grind on his body so that they can kind of fake out defenses by having all these different guys. And I think that's going to be a huge asset for them moving forward. And we'll see how defenses adjust against that. But I think when you have four different backs with four different skill sets and you're now using them more out of the backfield too, I think that's something that's really going to throw off a lot of teams. And it certainly has so far. And that running back group, as I alluded to, you know, they're, they're a close-knit group. I was talking to Anthony McFarland uh, earlier uh, this weekend, and he said a funny comment that he refers to Jake Funk as Coach Funk because they just have such a good relationship and that every time, you know, Anthony doesn't really understand something, you know, Jake will explain it to him. And it, Anthony described him as, you know, talking to another coach on the field. So it's a real neat way that those players interact and get along in that mm-hmm. running back room. And it's funny, they have a big kind of fun competition among them. I remember one of my favorite interviews over the summer in, uh, it was either spring camp or fall camp, I believe it was spring camp, and uh, Javon Leak was talking about how competitive a running back group is with video games. So when we talked to them in the spring, Javon Leak was you know proclaiming that he was the best at Madden and 2K. But when I talked to him after a Syracuse game, he said that, uh, to his dismay, Anthony McFarland is now taking up the leaderboards a bit in Madden. 
uh, they're planning on getting a new 2K soon. And so they just really have this camaraderie and competition and love for each other on the field. And I've just seen that throughout this entire team, especially with everything they've been through. And now Locks is really trying to make it a family. Um, I think that running group is really going to be fun to watch. It's um, insane, the talent that they have there. Yeah, it's it's it has to be up there with the top running back groups in the country, just basically off stat wise, but also just production and being a close knit group, as you both said. And I think being that close knit group helps because if one of them struggling, the other can pick them up. And it's not that they want to do better than the next person. They want each other to succeed as one unit. And that really helps a team win in the end. As Anthony McFarland said, they all want to eat. You got a lot of quotes after that game about food, like a lot. Yeah, so I went and I went to the Syracuse presser after, and I talked to Dino, and um, asked him a couple of questions. I'm pretty sure the man was pretty hungry because uh, two takeaways I had is he said that that game was a slice of humble pie, and he said another thing, you know, talking about the little things about his team. He said, you know, we're gonna go back and we're gonna bake the cake. And we're going to worry about the icing later. So I'm kind of curious to see where Dino went after the game. Maybe he went to Bentley's or somewhere. I don't know, to get something to eat. But he had a lot of food on his mind after that one. Yeah, I mean, the running back room also is always talking about, like, making each other eat. Like you said, they all really support each other. And I think what's also been interesting to watch is all the spread within the wide receivers. I still don't feel like we've had... Like, the team has had a wide receiver kind of step out. But as we talked about Daryl Jones, he's not getting a lot of touches, but he's making the most of them. Against Syracuse, three receptions for 70 yards. As we talked about previously, he is 13 in FBS in uh, yards per reception at 25.4. And then you've got, you know, DJ Turner also, two receptions, 53 yards. Um, You know, you had Carlos Carrier get his first touchdown. He had two receptions for 31 yards. Dante Demas, three receptions, 25 yards, and then you mix in the tight ends. Um, And even though a lot of guys aren't seeing, you know, as many receptions, they're getting a lot of yards per reception, which I thought has been really interesting. Well, I think it was the ability to just have a quick pass, and they ran, they had a lot of yards after the catch in this game, because I think we mentioned a lot in last week's podcast was Syracuse's defense is the top in the country with their defensive line, so they had a lot of quick passes, a lot of quick slants that they did, and that really helped because then they were able to get free, and the linebackers came in to rush the quarterback, so they had the middle wide open, and they'd run up the middle, and that's how they're getting the two receptions, 31 yards, or the three receptions, 45 yards, stuff like that, that really just the quick pass and then the run after the catch. Yeah, and as you said, Lila, you know, Loxley said he wants to get his best, best athletes the ball, and to do that, as I alluded to earlier, you know, they would go to the RPO where you'd have Ryan Cobbs or Dale Jones coming across the middle on the slant. And they've gone to that play very early against Howard and Syracuse, and that has done them wonders so far. So if you get, you know, the athletes, the players, the ball in space, they're definitely going to make the most of it. And Dino said after the game that something he was not, uh, Dino Babers, head coach at Syracuse, said that he was not pleased with, you know, his team's effort on missed tackles, and it was something that they had to go back to the drawing board on. I'm interested to see if it continues like this or if someone's going to come out as that top alpha guy in the wide receiver room. Well, I think right now it it's kind of a good thing that no one's really been that alpha because 
we say with the running backs, obviously Anthony McFarland is the main guy, but all of them can contribute. All of them even could be equally as good as McFarland is. So if you have all of the wide receivers producing the same amount, it opens up the field because Josh Jackson can throw the ball to anyone on the field, any side, and defenses will have a hard time stopping that. And now the country is starting to take notice of the talent on this team. As we mentioned, now the number 21 team in the country. And Loxley talked a lot about that this week and how the team, you know, especially because reporters, you know, everyone wants to ask about that, um, about how they deal with that ranking, how they go forward. Because one thing that I think Cody and I and other and, you know, Sean on the beat really noticed is that Loxley takes after Nick Saban, who he worked with at Alabama a lot. Um, coming off of this game, you know, he still had critiques for his team. Um, he was upset about, I think, what was it, like 30 penalty yards um, and some other things like that. Um, and Cody kind of explored a little bit this week with that about just the mentality of this team, even after two dominant wins and now a ranking. Yeah, and one of the things that happened when they opened up against Syracuse is that the opening kickoff, they had an offsides. And that's just something that over time is just not going to fly. And and Loxley said that, you know, things like that, he said, makes my skin crawl. And with them going forward and with them getting tougher opponents, they're going to be more keyed in and more focused. And that obviously, Lila, we've, we've seen this is this is something special, as you've said, going on. And, you know, Terps are starting to get noticed now. And there's a new era under Mike Loxley. There's a lot of excitement in the program but they are still staying keyed in they're still staying focused and during fall camp you could kind of see that because when we'd be standing outside uh waiting for practice you know the players would walk past us lila and they'd have um some music playing and stuff and every player came in just ready and looked like they were just ready to work they were and excited up. they were excited to be there and you know it's beating down the sun's beating down like we're just sweating there standing there you know and and there's a real tense focus that is going on within this program. Yeah, and one thing Anthony McFarland said after a game that was in Cody's article, which you should all go read, is that, you know, it was a good win, but we still got a lot uh, we still got a lot of stuff we got to improve on. We still gotta get better. You know, I'm not satisfied, so I know guys in the locker room with me are not satis- satisfied, and that's how we're going to proceed. They're not satisfied with putting up over, you know, 63 points in two straight games. And that's in uh, mentality that Loxley has instilled. And the thing he talked about with that this week is consistency. Um, You know, just the way that they practice, not really being affected by scores, but just doing the same thing every week. And, you know, just know that they have a target on their back now. And he used, you know, today he talked about kind of comparing the season to uh, this journey and that, you know, the whole thing of not overlooking it, even though they're having the success they're having. So let's give a listen to that really quick. And we're on a journey right now in this program. Uh, we're at stop two of a, you know, a 12 day journey. And so if you look at it as a journey, you know, after two games, are we happy where we are? Well, of course we are. And I, I kind of said this to the team. I mean, it's like driving from California to DC and you hop in your car and you know, day one and day two, you pull up and, you know, are we happy we're in Phoenix? Yeah, we didn't get a flat tire. We didn't have an accident, but it's still only day two of a 12-day journey, which means we got a lot of, of the trip left. And so we're happy where we're at, but we also understand that there's so much uh, more to the journey. So with that, a lot more to this journey. 
let's briefly talk about what that entails. We're going to get to Temple in a little bit, but after seeing how this team performed against a ranked team in Syracuse, how do you think they fare against some of these Big Ten teams? Is that, you know, part of that journey that he's talking about is facing those top teams, facing Michigan, facing Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State. After what you've seen through two games, do you guys, has your predictions for the season at all change or your perception about how they can go up against those teams? Does that change at all? Well, I think it has changed a little bit for me, but then I always think back and it's just two games. As, as Loxley said, just two steps in the journey. So I have to give it a few more weeks before I say, can they beat Penn State? Can they beat Michigan? Can they beat Michigan State? Nebraska even. All these teams that they're going to face in the Big Ten plays, it's the Big Ten East. They're very, very tough teams that Maryland will face. And I think it's just too early to say whether they can compete with them or not. Obviously, they have the top-scoring offense in all of the country right now, so that's impressive. And as Loxley said, they are happy with that, but I think I, I really like what Loxley's saying. He doesn't want the team to get ahead of themselves and say, oh, the season's done now, we already did what we want. No, they didn't do what they want yet because there's still those 10 steps left in the journey, and I think it, I think what Loxley's doing is really making sure they stay focused. They can be happy about their wins so far and their rank right now. But when it's when it comes to practice and game time, they have to prepare. No matter who they're playing, they have to prepare the same way. Yeah, I, I agree with Matt in a sense that, you know, it's too early to tell. However, at the beginning of the season, I did pick Maryland over Penn State and Michigan. And everyone thought you were crazy, but yeah. now I maybe you weren't. I, I got some heat for it. But Maybe you have some intel, too. Who's your I, inside source? I don't know. Uh, Scott Van Pelt. We'll go with that. Cause he, was, <laughs> he was Matthew McConaughey's, right? Um, so I I think it can be done. I mean, we saw this past weekend, Army in Michigan, anybody can be beat on any given Saturday. So I think it's possible as long as the Terps are able to stay healthy and they continue to stay focused, I think it can be done. And one thing that I just pulled up that I tweeted this week, which I think is really interesting, while Maryland is ranked 21st, that is actually the lowest ranking of any team in the Big Ten East. I was comparing, you know, everyone says SEC is so dominant. If you look at the SEC West and the Big Ten East, they're pretty comparable. Uh, the Big Ten East has, um, you know, you've got five teams ranked uh, in the top 25, and Maryland faces all of them. Number six, Ohio State. Number 10, Michigan. Number 13, Penn State. And number 18, Michigan State. And then, you know, the SEC West, while they have a lot of teams that are ranked higher, there are only four teams in that division. Now, this is remembering, of course, that, you know, Georgia and a couple other teams are, you know, in the East Division. But in that West Division, you've got number two, Alabama, number four, LSU, number eight, Auburn, and number 16, Texas A&M. You know, the talent in the Big Ten East, there's a lot of talent and they play every single team. So, like you said, I think that while... There's a lot of optimism right now, and it really makes you think, I think you don't know till you know, but it's certainly a positive sign. Um, and with that, you know, we'll go back to one more quick clip from Loxley here, this week's presser, of now how he takes this team with the right mentality moving forward of now having a number next to his name. He has experienced with that from being at Alabama. The thing we're trying to feed into the head of our players is that, you know, the, the success that we've had is again based off of us understanding the habits and behaviors it takes takes to go play and take advantage of the opportunity that we have and we also know that because of 
as we continue to create this identity and we continue on this journey that we're going to get everybody's best. I mean, we're not going to sneak up on anybody. Uh, Temple, I'm sure, you know, because of how we've played the last two weeks, I'm sure we'll get the best version of Temple. And, you know, my job as the leader of the family is for them to get the best version of us, which we found that the recipe to us being able to play the way we've played the past two weeks is the consistency of how we go about our work. And, you know, the consistency precedes the intensity. Everybody can get up to play a, a ranked opponent. But now for us to be a successful program and build on it and continue on our journey without the adversity, we've got to have the consistency of what we do each week uh, to have the results that we want to get on Saturday. What do you guys think about that saying from him, consistency precedes the intensity? Well, I think it, if you look at the past two weeks, they are being very consistent. And if they stay this consistency that he's talking about, they should be a successful football team, although they do play these top teams in the country in the Big Ten East. If they are consistent, I think Cody said if they stay healthy, obviously they lost Jay Sean Jones already, but and they've lost a couple other guys. But if they do continue to stay healthy from now on and stay consistent, they should be able to compete with those really, really tough powerhouse teams. Yeah, and when you get into a groove, when things become consistent and you win football games, it makes things a lot easier. Everybody's a little bit more happier. Things go along great. But I like, the, as we say, the focus mentality. But like you said, Lila, they're going to have a target on their back now. People have taken notice to Maryland. They, they know what they're capable of. So now that that happens, they have to come in every Saturday and play whatever team they're going to play, whether it's Penn State, Temple, because now they know they're going to get the best of them. And one thing that's really been interesting is every week, I think Loxley comes into the Wednesday presser, so not the Tuesday one, but the one that we get then kind of like in the middle of the week, the last one we get before the game. A lot of times he isn't happy with how they've been practicing. Like, you know, and the players haven't been too. It's like there's always a step higher for this team, and I haven't seen that in past years covering this team. I mean, obviously, you know, every team wants to work hard and things like that, but I think that Loxley is pushing this team in a way that, you know, a coach hasn't recently, but doing it in a way that players love and respect. You know, everyone talks about Lox being um, a player's coach, a guy who really understands and cares about them, and I think that's making these guys want to work harder. They've seen the success he's had at Alabama, and um, really want to put in their best effort into practice each week. And, you know, still, like we said, they're not satisfied. And so I think if they stay with them, that mentality, and like we said, not let the ranking get to them, I think that'll do good things for them. Um, and then you got to see after this Temple game, which we'll get into shortly, they then have a bye week before they play Penn State. And then that's kind of when the season really uh, ticks off. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about what is going on with non-revenue sports right now at Maryland, starting with men's soccer. Cody, what is going on with the defending national champions right now? You know, they, they haven't been playing too well. They lost two straight. Uh, first one is against uh, Virginia in Audi Field on September 2nd. And then they went out west and they played UCLA and came away with a 2-3 to three loss four days later. Uh, at the moment that we're recording this, you know, they're still the number three team in the country, but on the season they've been outscored five to three. And they'll probably be changed in the next couple of days, I'm assuming. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I don't know. I assume they will probably drop, but it's it's hard to tell at the moment. Uh, but there's been a big question mark as far as their keeper. You know, redshirt freshman Russell, Russell Shealy was in goal against UCLA, but 
you know, he didn't have that great of a showing, so it's hard to determine where that's going to go. Yeah, giving up a hat trick. and Exactly. And it could also be freshman Nicholas Newman. Uh, you know, previously they've gone uh, Sheely, Newman, Sheely in the past three games, but when the Terps take the field against Akron on Friday, September 13th, it'll be obviously, Lila, the rematch of the championship game where Maryland took away the 1-0 victory last year. Yeah, and I think going into that game, they really want to prove, hey, we still are these guys. My one thought with this team has been, and, you know, this may or may not be the case. I haven't been around the team as much, you know, because we've been in football coverage. But after last year where they were able to lose a lot of the games in the beginning of the season and still come up, I wonder if there's a bit of, like, not as much of a sense of urgency with this team. I wonder if that's going on a little. I know that Sasha said he really wants them to, you know, learn from these games and, you know, take lessons away from them. But, you know, UCLA was not a ranked team. The defense made a lot of mistakes it didn't need to make in that game. And um, I think that maybe some of the losses they've had are starting to catch up for them, especially, you know, goalkeeper Dane St. Clair. That's a tough guy to lose. He was one of the best goalkeepers in the country. And as you said, they're having trouble, you know, replacing him right now. Yeah. And along with keeping, they're trying to figure out other roles at the moment. I think they're really trying to develop and get back to where they were defensively and offensively last year. And obviously that's going to take some new time when you lose a bunch of different players. And field hockey, another top team in the country, was handed its first loss this week. Matt, what do you think about how field hockey looks right now? And kind of let us know what's going on with that. Well, they obviously have one of the best coaches in the entire sport of all time in Missy Maharg. So I think they've been a team that when they lose – they don't lose consecutively. They, they win the next game or they win the next few games or whatever it might be. But they lost to the number three team. Maryland's the number two team right now. so They're actually just moved to number four, but they are number two in that matchup. Yeah, so in that matchup, two versus three, it's, you can't really be upset with yourself if you lose to the number three team in the country and you only lose one nothing. So obviously their offense was stopped a little bit. but Yeah, their goalie played for Duke, played really great in that game. They got some good chances on on goal, but, you know, just weren't able to seal the deal. And I've kind of seen that a little bit with them this year, so they're going to try and work on that, I think, is uh, having more consistency, really getting those shots on goal and in net. So, obviously, the, the thing to look at with them is how do they bounce back from their first loss of the season? And I think they will do fine in that in that category because they've always done that. They lose, they come back. And they lost in the national championship. They went back to the national championship. They lost again, so then they win their first few games of the season. So obviously now they're handed their first loss and they'll have to bounce back from that. Yeah, and while they were handed that loss, they, you know, the team did play Boston College, another ranked team, ranked 13th, and were able to get a 3-1 win there. So, you know, they are showing they can compete against top teams, and I think Duke just got the best of them there. But they have the perfect game to rebound with. By the time this podcast comes out, it will likely be uh, Wednesday, the day that they will be playing uh, Towson. And, you know, Towson is a team that is really going to be a great bounce back game for them. Towson, uh, you know, it's kind of scheduled as an in-state rivalry game, you know, all of that. But and it's an away game. But Towson won one game last season, just one game. And they haven't won this year. Um, And in the past years, Maryland has just completely dominated that matchup. So I think it'll be a good game for them to get their confidence and groove back. And also a time to try out some new strategies and things like that on offense. Yeah, so obviously the first two games of the season they played are kind of like this matchup against Towson, against Richmond and New Hampshire. They played, and 
those games were it was five one and then five nothing. So now I'm expecting another game where it'll be five goals to zero goals or something along those lines because obviously Maryland's the much better team here. And as you said, they could try some new offensive plays, some new tactics, even a new group of, of girls that they could put out on the field and see what works best. So I think this will be a good a good bounce back game after the loss from Duke. And also looking to bounce back is volleyball. They started off the season, the Terps started 3-0, and uh, looking to reach the NCAA tournament for the first time after being on the bubble the past two seasons. But then this weekend at the UTSA Classic um, in Texas, they went 1-2 and two in games, only winning uh, one game in that tournament, and now are looking to back bounce back with a home tournament. Um, what do you think about the outlook for volleyball right now, Cody? I think they definitely have the talent to bounce back. As you know, they're going to be in familiar territory uh, this upcoming weekend, and, and Erica Pritchard is just killing it from what I see. You know, <laughs> literally and, uh, leading uh, the yes, Big Ten in kills. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then you also have other players like Katie Myers leading the Big Ten in blocks with thirty-eight, and Sam Snyder with. Uh, leading the Big Ten with 14 aces. so I think And that's a stacked conference with a lot of talent, so that says it, a lot. Exactly. So I think they definitely have the talent, and as they go about, it'll be interesting to see how they respond, along with field hockey, from that weekend where they went 1-2, and two, experienced their first taste of a loss. Right, and another team also, uh, women's soccer, which we won't get into as much. Uh, they've kind of been having a back-and-forth season so far, this week they had a game against George Washington that ended in a draw. So, uh, you know, we'll see where that goes. Obviously, you know, of all the fall sports, their expectations aren't as high. Um, but they have had more offensive production this season than I expected from them. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. Now let's get into uh, what everyone is, you know, looking forward to, the game this week against Temple. What can we expect from this matchup, Cody? You know, like I said, it's going to be their first true road game in an NFL stadium, which will be pretty exciting for some of the players. And as they go about, they, they have a 7-2 all-time record versus Temple. Um, last season, obviously, they lost in Week 3, 35-14, uh, where Maryland didn't have a single offensive score in that game. Obviously, I think we can expect that'll be a lot different this go-around. A lot different team, a lot different talent. But you have a team that has a veteran quarterback you know, that will get into a veteran linebacker group that will get into. So I think it'll be another great test to see if that Maryland football team can take another step up. I think, as well, it'll also be a great test for them. Obviously, same week last year they lost to Temple. That was in Maryland, but... They can't overlook this game, and I think Loxley's doing a very good job so far of, of forcing his team to look at this game as the next step in the road and not look at the, the one after that, which would be a bye week and then Penn State. They have to look at this game as the one that they have to play this weekend, and they have to practice like they're playing anyone else. It, they just can't pretend they're playing, oh, we're playing Temple. They can't think to themselves that they're going to go in there and just steamroll them because then things will go wrong for Maryland so the mindset has to just be go in with like you can play anyone on any day and just obviously the consistency that Loxley's been talking about if they stay consistent the way they have the past two weeks Maryland should have no problem going in there and dominating Temple 
And I think that last year they did overlook them a bit. I mean, I wasn't, you know, in that locker room. None of us were, but I think they did a bit um, going into that game. And one thing Loxley said that I thought was really interesting after the game on Saturday, he said, I've been around here for 10 years and we've played Temple quite a bit and they've been dogfights. And, you know, our expectation is that we're going to get their best and that'll be a tough, hard-nosed game. And, you know, the games have been like that in the past. And I think this year you might see more of a dominant showing for Maryland than you have. But like you said, I think they're coming in with the right mentality, not overlooking. No, they know that they're going to get their best from Temple, especially now that they are ranked. And looking specifically at Temple, I talked to Josh Jackson about this today. It's interesting because Maryland doesn't have a lot of film to go off of. The Owls are coming off of a bye week after taking a 56-12 victory over Bucknell, which is a very low FCFs team, probably even lower than Howard in week one. Um, they had 507 passing yards in that game, and because of that one game, they ranked first in the country in that category in passing yards per game. And they're under their first year under head coach Rod Carey, who was previously the head coach at Northern Illinois. So there's a lot of unknowns, and I think... Um, you know, that might be interesting with how they prepare for the game this week. Yeah, you alluded to it, Lila. You know, they they have a bye week. They're, they only played one week of football, so they're fresh. But I don't, I'm don't. i curious to see if that's also a disadvantage for Temple, only having the one game under their belt when they come into Maryland. And as I said, uh, head coach of Syracuse football, Dino Baber, said we didn't have a lot of film on Maryland. Because Maryland didn't show all their personnel groupings against Howard when they took out, you know, Josh Jackson and put in uh, Piggy. And so I think Maryland will have a similar situation as they go against Temple. And what can we expect from the talent of Temple, uh, Matt? Well, I think they have something to prove here. They dominated 56-12 to 12 over Bucknell in their first game. And then they didn't play anyone. So now they're coming here. And they're hosting a ranked team in Maryland. And they beat them last year. So there's probably a lot of hype in that locker room to go out there and beat a ranked team. And I think they have to put their best performance out. They have a lot of skill. Cody mentioned a veteran quarterback and their linebacking group. But they have to perform to the best of their abilities to go out here and beat the 21st best team in the nation. And one thing I thought was interesting about the Temple's quarterback, Anthony Russo, uh, Loxley mentioned him this week saying that, you know, he as well as their wide receivers are pretty dangerous. Uh, Russo had four passing touchdowns and one interception in that first game of the season. Um, but one thing that Marcus Lewis told Cody today is that he's more of a pocket passer, not as mobile. And that's something that they're going to try to really put pressure on. What do you make of, uh, you know, Temple's offense? You know, it should be interesting. Like you said, he's a veteran quarterback. Uh, the the defense has been getting after the quarterback a lot recently. A lot more sacks in recent years for Maryland. Yes, and you know with their top two running backs from last season, uh, Reichwell, Armstead, and Rob Richardovato. We're sorry if we yes. mispronounced your name, Rob. Yes, <laughs> but with those uh, players... Um, back from last season it should be interesting but another player Lila that I found out that they're trying out at running back is their uh, star middle linebacker Sean Bradley a linebacker a linebacker yes who had a, he had three carries for a total of nine yards against Bucknell and prior to that he had five carries for 34 yards in his career and 
that should be very something to really look forward to and see if they do something like that. And the Philadelphia Inquirer also reported that prior to the Temple's home, home opener that a source confirmed to them that Bradley carried the ball, quote, 17 straight times and showed a great skill and determination uh, during one of their close practices. Yeah, that'll definitely be interesting, especially with of a pouncing defense you have of Maryland right now. Shaq Smith was out for the Syracuse game, and Loxley said today that he's expected to play this week. He said in the press conference after that it was really just kind of, you know, a little bit of a sprain, and, you know, he had he had sat out Friday but practiced the rest of the week, and it was really more of a precaution. They didn't want to risk it. But Keandre Jones still dominated in that game. Like we said, he has 3.5 sacks so far, uh, which, you know, is up there in the NCAA. It's tied for fourth. So I think now that you have both of those guys back in there, it'll be interesting to see how he goes up uh, against those guys, especially if this guy is a previous linebacker because, you know, they're familiar with their body type. You know, there's a lot of familiarity there, and I think it'll be interesting how they go up against him. And it seems that, you know, with having those two running backs graduated and now having to rely on other pieces, they've relied on the passing game a lot. And I think that that's one area that Maryland has struggled a little bit with this year. Like we said, they've one of the best rushing defenses in the country, but, you know, they uh, gave up some, you know, big explosive pit plays to Syracuse, um, even, even though they were able to make the stop so that that didn't always hurt them. They Syracuse did get a decent amount of touchdowns on them. And uh, Cody, you talked to them a bit this week about the communication that they're trying to improve there, right? Yeah, and with Syracuse, there were plenty of times when Maryland's defensive backs were just not on the same page where a wide receiver, they'd go with the wide receiver and just let him go or, you know, they'd get lost. And uh, I talked to Marcus Lewis today, cornerback for Maryland, and he says, you know, the communication is something that, that they – need to improve and do a better job of especially with a high-powered passing attack that uh that temple possesses but one player he did give some props to for getting his first career interception last week was jordan mosley what a moment for him yeah it was it was really incredible uh he had his first career reception and then you uh you said carlos Carl's Carrier had his first, first touchdown. Yeah, so last week was obviously a, a week first and first. And, and it's been like that the past two weeks. You know, there's just been a lot of Terps getting action with these dominant wins. Exactly. So we'll, we'll definitely see communication. They they admit they need to work on it. And it should be something that we look for when the team takes the field if they've improved in that aspect of their game. Yeah, and Antoine Brooks has said he wants to be more of a vocal leader for that group. What I've heard is a lot of guys in that room lead by action, but – you know, I think everyone, Jordan Mosley talked about it. Um, like you said, Marcus Lewis talked about it. Loxley's talked about it. They just want more communication there. And that's a big thing they're going to work on this week because, like we said, Temple's offensive talent relies in its passing game and its wide receivers. So that's going to be a big key, I think, this week. Matt, what can we expect from Temple's defense, though? You know, Maryland's offense has been on fire to start. Does Temple have the ability to maybe cause them some trouble? Well, Cody mentioned their linebackers. Obviously, Sean Bradley, he's been playing a little bit in the running back spot, but they have a lot of veterans in that linebacking spot. And it's it'll be not not their first test because obviously they played Syracuse, but this isn't a game like Howard in week one for Maryland. Their offense has to go out there and continue to produce. And I think their defense, I don't know if they'll stop them too much, but Maryland's been, I think Maryland's been a little too on fire for any other team to stop them right now. And they're going into Temple with a mindset of, it's their first week as being ranked. They, their offense is going to want to explode right away. And obviously, I mentioned a lot earlier in the podcast that 
They have all these different weapons. They have the wide receivers. They have Tyler Mabry and Chigozium Okonkwo at tight end. They have the four running backs who combined for six touchdowns last week. So it's just all over the field for Maryland's offense. And I'm not sure Temple's defense can really keep up with that and how much film they really have to study for Maryland. And one thing we haven't talked about yet on this podcast is we talked about going into last week that it was going to be a huge test for the offensive line. And I think they passed with flying colors. Um, You know, going up against that tough defensive line in Syracuse, they, you know, weren't able to really let them get to Jackson as much while he did have that one kind of interception being rushed. I thought they did a really good job getting the ball out quick and, um, you know, has been working well with the offensive line. And one thing then you have on Temple that also I think might go Maryland's way is the player that caused the most trouble on defense for the Terps last season, uh, Michael Dogby, has graduated. Um, he was a linebacker and he was a big problem, putting up seven tackles, including 3.5 for loss, 2.5 sacks, and two forced fumbles last year against Maryland. I think having him out while they still have a ton of talent there uh, might work in Maryland's favor a little bit. What did you think of offensive line and what can we expect from them this week, Cody? You know, they did a great job. Uh, as Matt and I have mentioned multiple times during this podcast, you know, Josh Jackson has been doing wonders with the offense, distributing the ball, and and if the, the Terp offensive line can keep him upright and keep him out of harm's way, I think the distribution will continue to happen. They'll have great offensive numbers, but they really a lot of a lot of people were saying that, you know, Syracuse was just gonna come around and push them or push them down the field. The Syracuse's defensive line and I think a lot of people took notice of Maryland's offensive line after their performance on Saturday. Should we get into some predictions? Yeah I want to mention I want to go into Sean Bradley real quick. Okay. Just some few things because I think I'm really, You're really interested by I, this guy. I'm, I think he's a really really interesting player. I think he's a really talented player. Uh, just just he's one of the players to keep an eye on for Saturday's game. He was a two-year starter at middle linebacker He's played in 37 games for Temple, in, or 38 now with the opener, and he's appeared in every game but two of them. And last year he finished second on the team with 78 tackles, and he was actually the recipient of former Terp and now, uh, or former Terp, Kasim Hill's first interception hmm. as a Terp. So I, and as I said, he's, he'll, he might see a couple carries from that running back. He's just a very, very talented, interesting player to keep an eye so on. So in that first game of the season, was he playing both linebacker and running back? Was he, he was favoring playing, one? He was playing both, I believe. But very interesting. You don't get, see that as much in college anymore. You know, there's a m- much more common thing back in the day, but you know, you don't see that that much anymore. That That is very interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see how that works out. Yes, exactly. So definitely keep an eye on for Sean Bradley. What is your prediction for this game, Cody? We won't roast you too much for your prediction last week because I think we were all pretty off with that. So I've been getting a lot of heat this this season for my predictions. I've been off on a few. I think everyone's been off. I mean, no one expected expected this kind of offensive production, but I think I'm going to adjust my prediction this week now that we've seen two games. Me too. Um, So the past couple of games I've said a little low scoring, but this time I'm going high, going 49 to 17. Maryland escapes Philadelphia with the victory and go have 3-0 and coming into Penn State, or Penn State, rather, coming into College Park. What about you, Matt? I'm taking an even bigger differential here. I think 52-10, to the Terps get it done. And I think it'll be a lot of excitement being that they're, it's their first game ranked, and these players want to show the country what they're made of. They want to be even higher than 21. 
and now it's going to be the third step in that journey for Loxley's family. Yeah, uh, my prediction was 45 to 13, so kind of, you know, along those lines a little bit. I think, you know, this offense has proved that uh, they can put up a lot of points. I think it's going to be hard for them to replicate 63-plus points in, uh, you know, three games, so that's why I'm kind of going with 45. I think 13, you know, they'll allow Temple, you know, a touchdown and a field goal, but I don't think they're going to get much more than that. Um, And they'll leave Philly with the win, I think. The thing you said, they want to show that they were ranked for a reason. They know they have a target on their backs. And then this is their first game before going into Penn State. And uh, the SID was telling us today that there have already been 8,000 student ticket requests for that. That was what he said, right? Yeah, 8,000. Yeah, so um, while they aren't looking to the next week, they've said, you know, we're not thinking about that. We're focused on this week. I think looking in from the outside, if they can put up another big win, you know, 45-13 is still a dominant big win, you know, same with your guys' predictions. If they can do that, that really makes a statement going into Penn State. Uh, and Wes, uh, you know, one of our uh, football play analysts with us, he and I were talking the other day, it is a shame that that Penn State game is on a Friday night because I think if that's on a Saturday, you get game day in College Park. I certainly agree with that because that, ga- that week, I think I think it was Washington or Washington State might be the other candidate to host uh, game day. Not many games in that week are spotlight games, and this one is, but obviously it's on a Friday night, so it's impossible for game day to come to College Park. Do we get a game day in College Park this year? Even the Michigan game? If they beat Penn, I think if they beat Penn State, we if might they, get a Michigan game day. If they beat Penn State, I would say that they have to bring game day here because I don't know another team in the country right now that's as exciting as Maryland. It was actually interesting. I think it was a reporter, not Sporting News, I, some sports site wrote actually an apology letter to Loxley and the Maryland team for underestimating them, which I thought was very funny. Uh, sports Illustrated is now doing a bunch of articles on them, so it's also going to be interesting how they handle increased media as well. Um, this should be an interesting game this week. We will be traveling to Philly. We're going to finally get Cody a good cheesesteak and uh, put that issue to rest and uh, have our first road trip of the year, which I am very excited for, despite having to get up early in the morning. Yeah, it'll be fun. I, as I said, I'm, I'll probably get some heat for this as well, but I'm not a big Philly cheesesteak guy. Uh, I think I think I've had better at other places. So where are we going, Lila, to get one? We're going to go to Del Sandro's because you said you've not had that yet, and I yes. think that's one of the best cheesesteaks in Philly, so we're going to prove you wrong and show you how great Philly cheesesteaks are. Yeah, so, so we'll definitely keep you posted on that, and fingers crossed. We might be doing a little vo- vlogging of uh, Cody's ta- first time, you know, trying a Del Sandro's cheesesteak, showing him that he's uh, made some errors in his ways. Sounds good to me. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned, obviously, for all the coverage from that game and all the coverage from every sport this week. A lot of field hockey on slate this week. They have two games. Men's soccer picks back up against Akron. Volleyball gets a lot of action. But stay tuned with Testudo Times for all of that. And obviously Cody trying his first Philly cheesesteak. Stay tuned for that too. So thank you for joining us on the weekly Testudo Times podcast. And we'll have more coverage next week. Stay tuned through all the coverage on Testudo Times for Maryland against Temple in Philadelphia this weekend.